Romans chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 10. You don't hear this addressed a whole lot in Baptist churches. Uh, it's an area that a lot of people are a little bit fearful of, and there's been a lot of false teaching, a lot of false ideas about this. But I want to bring you some truth from the Word of God, Romans chapter number 9 this morning. Verse number 10, not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, that means one husband, this is one woman having two children, twins, in her womb by one husband, even our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done anything good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election, might stand. What's election have to do with making a choice? And this all has to do with God choosing, not based on man's abilities, not based on what's common, not based on society, but based on God's holy knowledge and wisdom. God makes choices, not of works. The Word of God says, not having done anything good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. That's, that's backwards according to their society, according to their culture. That was the wrong way to look at it. But see, God wasn't judging this thing based on society. God wasn't judging this thing based on culture. God knew what they didn't know. And it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. That's in your Bible. You don't have to be afraid of that. God said he loved Jacob and he hated Esau. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building today needs mercy. Not one of us deserve mercy, but not all of us will obtain mercy. Only those who receive the call of God. God has this thing judged out in His holy mind from the foundation of the world. God showeth mercy. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee. What's this saying? This is saying in the foreknowledge and wisdom of God before God ever spoke worlds into existence, God knew who Pharaoh was. God knew he'd be wicked. God knew he'd be hard-hearted. But God said, I'm going to raise this wicked man up. Just like God's done in the president of these United States. God raised him up to say, I'm going to use you to fulfill my purpose and get glory. Hey, God, God's God. He's the creator. He can do what he wants to do. He don't need my permission. That my name might be declared through all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will 
he hardeneth. I'm going to talk to you this morning, if the Lord will be my helper on the subject, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. In terms that we refer to this morning as hyper-Calvinism, the doctrine of election and predestination is misinterpreted, misrepresented, and falsely asserts that somehow God has predetermined that some would go to heaven and others would go to hell just for no reason, just arbitrarily, God went down the row and picked one. Said, you go to heaven, you go to hell, you go to heaven, you go to hell, you go to heaven, you go to hell. And there's nothing that anybody can do about that. That's wrong. That's a misrepresentation of the scriptures with a total disregard for the doctrine of human responsibility. A total disregard for the doctrine of a whosoever will gospel that demands faith and repentance. With a total disregard regard to the substitutionary sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ that according to Hebrews chapter 2 states that Jesus tasted death for every man. I do preach a whosoever will gospel this morning. Whosoever will let him come. And God in his sovereignty gives every man, woman, boy and girl an opportunity to be saved. But God in his infinite wisdom knows who we and who will not but yet God's holy and God's just and God's righteous and God gives men opportunities that man will not stand and put his bony finger in the face of a holy God one day and say God you didn't give me an opportunity oh yes he does yes he does the key to understanding election and predestination is found simply in 1 Peter 1 1 and 2 Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and Bithynia, elect, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's the key to understanding election and predestination is understanding that God in His infinite wisdom and God the Father in His foreknowledge knew before He ever spoke you into existence how you was going to turn out. God knew the end from the beginning. The word elect means to favor or a favorite. The word elect means to be chosen. Hey, when we go to... Elect our representatives that we want to represent us in government. We choose our favorite. And that's what God does in election. God chooses His favorite. God chooses men and women based on God's holy design. And what God sees is what God desires and God wants to see in a man or a woman. The word foreknowledge simply means knowledge of things before they happen. God knew what was going to happen this morning. God knew who was going to be here long before you ever got here this morning. God knew who wasn't going to be here. God knew exactly to the penny how much the offering was going to be. God knows everything before it ever happens. And we get in a wad and we get in a knot like we got something figured out. And God already knew from the beginning of time, Brother Jesse, how it's going to turn out. Here in Romans 9, God uses two famous Old Testament figures, Jacob and Esau. To draw contrast between the works of the flesh and the grace of God. Here also God instructs Paul 
to use Pharaoh and the children of Israel as yet another example. Look in Romans chapter 9 verse 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. That means that before the foundation of the world, God had already elected Jacob. Why? God knew what Jacob was going to He knew what he was going to turn out, Brother Jesse. God knew what he was going to be. And listen, mom and daddy didn't know that. Isaac and Rebecca didn't know that. But God knew that. Therefore, God chose him because God knew what he would do. Not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elders shall serve the younger. As is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Election means a favorite, a chosen But the word hated here by definition means to detest. I tried to study this and it can be a confusing New Testament word. There is a passive hatred in the New Testament. It means to like less. But when you go back into Malachi where this first shows up in the Hebrew, in the original tongue, you'll find there's no question. It is distinctly speaking of a hatred that means detest or to persecute, to hate personally, utterly, as an enemy. This means Esau was an enemy of God from the very beginning and God knew it from the very beginning. If God chose one and left the other, if God loved one and hated the other, if God blessed one and cursed the other, then what was it that God so hated about Esau and God so hated about Pharaoh? Hey, listen, if there's something I knew a holy God that could slam me in hell hated, I'd find out what it was. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. There is a great contrast between these two men. All through the word of God you see men like Saul and David where there was great contrast between those men. Saul could never be wrong. Saul was so arrogant and proud he would never be told he is wrong. He would argue with the man of God, grit his teeth and die and go to hell before Saul was willing to say I was wrong. But when God rebuked David a little bit, David fall down on his face and say, God, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Number one problem, the number one thing God hated about Esau and about Pharaoh is they would not believe the word of God. According to the word of God, you find here that Isaac, as a 16-year-old boy, went with his daddy Abraham to Mount Moriah. He was going there and his daddy thought that Isaac was going to be a sacrifice. Young Isaac, a teenage boy, 16 years of age, carried the wood, took the fire with him. But he said, Father, where's the sacrifice? And when he got up on Mount Moriah, he understood that the word of God said God would provide himself a sacrifice. Didn't say God will provide for himself a sacrifice. He said God will provide himself a sacrifice. And his daddy, listen, Jacob and Esau's daddy, 
daddy Isaac was that 16 year old boy do you think he let them boys grow up and not tell them that story they knew the word of God they knew Messiah was coming they knew God said in his word he would provide himself a lamb and you need to understand these two boys in the womb of this woman Rebecca these two boys Jacob and Esau they had to understand brother Mark that the Messiah the son of God the savior of the world must by necessity come through the loins of one of those two boys Jesus Christ is going to come through one of these two boys Brother Mark, he's going to come through the one with the birthright and with the blessing. You got to understand what that birthright and that blessing is. That birthright by their society, by their culture was passed on to the eldest son. That means he got a double portion of all his father's goods. There was two boys here. That means his father's possessions would have been split into three equal parts. And the elder son would have received two, a double portion. The younger son which was Jacob, would have received one portion. The elder son not only would have got a double portion of the goods, he would have got a blessing from his father. He would have got authority from his father. He would have been next in line under his father to be the head of the household, to be the priest of the household. And this meant he would have been the special one through which God would have sent his son. Stay with me. Hebrews 12 verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Who was Esau? The elder son. The one that by society and by tradition should have gotten the birthright because of who he was. As Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Why did Esau sell this birthright so cheap? Why was it that that day he was hungry out in the field and whining and wanting a little bit of that soup that his brother had made? Why was it, Brother Mark, he was willing to sell his birthright so cheap? Why was he willing not to believe God? I'm going to tell you, he didn't believe God. That's why he sold it so cheap, Brother Mark. He didn't think it was worth anything to him. Hey, he believed it in his head, but he didn't believe it in his heart because when it came time, I mean, it got down to brass tacks and shoe leather walking in this thing, he'd rather have a feel-good moment of getting some of that soup from his brother than he would have that birthright. You know why? He didn't believe God. You know why some of y'all going to go to hell? You won't believe God. You believe in your head, but you ain't going to believe in your heart. This gets deeper. This gets much deeper. They would not believe God. But I'll tell you something else Esau would not do. He would not be broken. Genesis 25, set 27, listen. The boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, self-sufficient, proud Esau. Brother Mark, no matter what you do back at the house, you do all that girl work back there, but I'll go out and I'll kill a deer. I'll kill a bear. I'll kill a lion. I'll have something to eat. I can take care of myself here. He was a cunning hunter and a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. You know why? Because Isaac was seeing through eyes of flesh. He couldn't see what God could see. 
But Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I'm at the point to die. Now here comes a legitimate question, was he going to die or not? Was he really going to die? I don't think he was. But I think his flesh told him he was. And his flesh told him he wanted this so bad that he was willing to think it. Brother Mark, there was a whole lot of things could have happened right here. But the word of God said at this point, he said, And what profit shall this birthright do me? I don't need a birthright. I need a meal. I need something to eat to make me feel better. That birthright ain't doing me no good right now. Hey, that's where you are, sinner friend. You want something to make you feel better right now? Never consider what that birthright is. You want something right now that makes your flesh feel good? Something right now that makes you feel all right and never consider eternity. And Jacob said, swear to me this day. He's swearing to him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Hey, you you, you think, well, he had to do that. He's going to die. No, he wasn't going to die. I'm going to tell you what he should have done. He wouldn't be broken. Brother Wesley, he refused to be broken. He could have humbled himself before God. He could have fell down in the field and said, God, here I am about to starve to death, about to die. God, I'm a hurt and I need some help. But God, I got enough sense to know the story. You told my dad is true. There's something to that birthright thing. There's something to that blessing thing. And God, by rights all to receive it, by rights all to have it. And God, it means enough to me that I ain't going to let go of it easy. I ain't going to give it up easy. But it didn't. He didn't care. All he wanted was another meal. And Esau's actions that day brought great shame and condemnation. Yet instead of repentance, the revelation of his sin brought about rebellion and contempt for the things of God. From that day forward, he hated God and hated his brother and hardened his heart against the things of God. Self-sufficient man of the field said, I don't need you, I don't need God, I don't need my daddy, and I don't need nobody else. Hey, why God hate Esau? He wouldn't be broken. He wouldn't believe God. Let's look at Pharaoh a minute in Exodus chapter number 5. Moses and Aaron speak to Pharaoh. They address the demands of a holy God. And what does Pharaoh do? Mocks the word of God through the man of God and said, I don't know your God. <laughs> I don't know who your God is. I ain't a turning the children of Israel loose. You're crazy. But the word of God said that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then the word of God says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Stay with me. I'm going to talk to you about how did Pharaoh harden his heart. The same way you'll harden your heart, friend. 
The first thing Pharaoh did, the first gigantic mistake that Pharaoh made was he disregarded the revelation. The man of God came to him. He had never heard of this God. The Hebrews, I guess, he said he didn't, said he didn't know him, didn't know who he was. But Moses came to him in the power and authority of Almighty Jehovah God and said, God said, that's my children and you need to turn them loose. I'm going to tell you what, friend, I love you. Whether you admit this or not, you need to understand this morning I speak truth. God, the sweet Holy Ghost, through the preaching of the Word of God, will open up your dead heart. And God will make a revelation on the inside of you. I'm not talking about seeing a 900-foot Jesus. I'm not talking about seeing stars and lights and hearing thunder. I'm talking about when God opens up and pulls back the veil of your dark, wicked heart. And the Holy Ghost speaks to your heart. And says you're lost. That's a revelation from God. God said there's a problem here you need to deal with. And you know what was the first step in Pharaoh's heart in his heart? He disregarded the revelation. He said that don't really mean what you say it means. The disregard of the revelation. Then you see the deceit of human reasoning. What's the deceit of human reasoning? You see, as God told Moses to throw down his rod and it become a serpent, they go before the Pharaoh. And the Word of God says that Aaron threw his rod down in front of Pharaoh and it became a serpent. And he looks at his sorcerers, his magicians, and says, Can you do that? And they throw their rods down. They become serpents. Problem is, they're false prophets. They didn't come from God. And then he begins to reason in his human heart. Then they cause the water to be turned to blood. And he asked his magicians, can you do this? And they said, sure. And they turned water to blood. Brother Jesse, he listens to his human heart and his human reason and says, now if this was of, of a real God, why is my magicians able to do this? And he begins to weigh this thing out just like a lot of you do. Yes. Is this really of God? Is this really God speaking? Is preacher Mike really telling us the truth from the Word of God? And you begin to weigh that thing out. They make frogs to come up on the land and his magicians make frogs come up on the land. And Brother Mark, in his human reasoning, he weighs this thing out in his human heart. The deceit of human reasoning. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll reason this thing away. You'll think of 10,000 reasons why you really must be right with God. You'll think of 10,000 reasons why you don't need to humble yourself, why you don't need to be broken before God, why you don't need to humiliate yourself and humble yourself in front of all these people and bow before a holy God, and you'll let your human reasoning harden your heart. Yes, sir. The disregard for the revelation, the deceit of the reasoning, and the damnation of resistance. On five separate occasions, in the first five of the ten plagues, on five separate occasions, the man of God comes to Pharaoh and said, God said, turn my people loose. On five separate occasions, they brought about these plagues against Pharaoh and against Egypt. And on five separate occasions, five, the number of grace, 
Five times God gives Pharaoh five opportunities to repent. And five times Pharaoh hardened his own heart. You say, but the word of God said God hardened his heart. No, not the first five times. No, sir. Pharaoh's doing this all by himself. Right now, this is Pharaoh doing the deal. Five times. In Exodus 8 and verse number 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, that means a break. That means the pressure let off. He hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. You know what Pharaoh did on five different occasions? He withstood the wrath of God. He withstood the plagues of God. And five times when it was over, Pharaoh said, I'm still here. Go ahead, God, give it your best shot. I'm still here. And every time he got a little harder... And every time he got a little harder and God brought a little trouble in his life and I see a lot of folks come into church and God brings a little trouble in their life. Oh, the wife goes off and leaves the husband. He said, God, I won't get right. I won't get right. No, he don't want to get right. He wants his wife back. Oh, God, I've lost my job. About to lose my house. About to lose my car. Oh, God, I won't get right. No, you just want another paycheck. Tough times come. Then God gives a little respite. What do they do, Brother Mark? Run right back to the same hog slop to come out of. You know what? They didn't repent. Pharaoh had no heart of repentance. Pharaoh said, praise God. Said, this must be right. Go ahead and take him. Go on. Boy, take them, go on, just just get rid of this, get rid of this lice, get rid of these frogs, do anything. Just go ahead and do whatever it is you're going to do, Moses. And the frogs are gone and the stench begins to go away. And Pharaoh said, no, nah, change my mind. Yes, sir. Folks come in the house of God, I'm going to straighten up, say, I'm going to do right, I'm going to do better. And things level out a little bit and they say, no, nah, change my mind. You know why they never had a heart of repentance, Brother Jesse? Never been broken. Never been broken five times. That's the number of grace. But on the sixth shot, Brother Mark, he's gone beyond grace. In Exodus chapter 9, verse number 10, they took the ashes of the furnace, stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven. And it became a boil breaking forth with blands upon men and upon beasts. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because the boils, for the boils were upon the magicians and upon the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. Five times Pharaoh thought Pharaoh was in control. Now Pharaoh's lost control. Pharaoh ain't in this deal no more. God said, you've gone beyond grace. There won't be any more hardening in your heart, Pharaoh. I'm in control now. When God begins to harden his heart, there ain't no turning back. This thing's a done deal. Pharaoh's as good as in hell. Because he threw away five opportunities of grace. He threw away five opportunities to repent. And now God's hardened his heart. And like Pharaoh, Esau would not believe. And like Pharaoh, Esau would not be broken. 
And like Pharaoh, Esau would not voluntarily bring God glory. Why would God hate Esau? He would not believe. He would not be broken. And he would not bring God glory. God knew that. Genesis 25 verse 27. The boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter. A man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. And Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field. And he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. You can underline this next phrase. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Esau could never bring God glory because Esau could never see the value of salvation. Esau could never see the value of what it is to be forgiven. Let me just stop right here and say thank God for grace. Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for mercy that I never deserved. Thank God that He'd smile on me. Thank God He'd call me. Thank God He'd choose me. Thank God, thank God, thank God. It's all God. But Esau can never see this. He can never give God glory because he can never see the value of being forgiven. What good shall this birthright do me? Friend, God's salvation is not a fire escape just to keep you out of hell. God saves you so you can serve Him and bring Him great glory and honor. I brought you three points this morning. Jacob believed God, Jacob was broken. And Jacob brought God glory. You say, how was Jacob broken? you remember when he was coming back and he'd stopped and camped out? There by the brook? The angel of the Lord, a theophany, a pre-incarnate form of the Lord Jesus Christ came and wrestled with him. And Jacob held on to the angel of the Lord until it literally pulled his thigh out of socket. You know why that happened, Brother Weston? Because Jacob was determined, God, if this thing kills me, I'm holding on to it. And I'm telling you what, when God gets to fingering around your little old heart and you really want God's salvation, it hurts. The condemnation of sin hurts. The realization you're lost and deserving of hell hurts. But I'm telling you, if you ever get God's salvation, you've got to latch on to God and say, God, I'm going to hold on to this thing if it kills me. But God, i got God have some help. Take it, help. Jacob was willing to be broken. His brother ain't willing. Pharaoh ain't willing. And there's some of you this morning you ain't willing. But I tell you what, you get willing to be broken, you'll hang on no matter what. And I mean hang on tight. But see, these three things I've mentioned, Miss Nader, are three attributes. Not three attributes of Jacob. Brother Mark, they're three attributes of the Son of God. Number one, he believed his father. What caused God to like Jacob? Jacob was like Jesus. 
He believed the Word of God. Hey, he was a thief. He was a supplanter, Brother Tim. He was just like me and you. Jacob was wicked as the devil, but Jacob knew that something to what God was telling him. He's going to let it change him, too. Boy, he got hold of this thing. It was an attribute of Jesus. Jesus believed the Father. That's how he walked and lived the way he did on this earth is because he believed every word the Father had told him. Brother Tim, in heaven, the things that he and the Father had discussed at the throne of God when he came to this earth, he believed every word his Father said, and he stood in the face of Satan. He stood in the face of temptation. He stood in the face of Pilate. He stood in the face of men because he believed what the Father had told him. If you ever get to God's heaven, you're going to have to believe what the Father tells you. You know he's willing to be broken. And that's what the cross of Calvary was all about, Jesus Became obedient, even unto death, even the death of the cross. He was willing to be broken for his Father's glory. But he was willing to give his Father great glory. And all three of those attributes, all three of those things that Esau did not have that God hated, Jacob had them and they were all like Christ. Makes him a type of Christ, by the way. But I'm through right now. God... Said, Jacob, have I loved, but Esau, have I hated. You know what I see a lot of times? I see a lot of folks just like Pharaoh. Make a little too before profession, run into church, and get a little help for their problems. And then when things kind of smooth out, they run back out. And you know what they wind up doing, Miss Lloyd? They wind up seven times worse off than they were when they started. Because that's when God starts to harden their heart. There ain't no help then. Esau would not believe. Esau would not be broken. Esau would not bring glory. And finally, Esau will not be blessed. In Hebrews 12, verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He sold his opportunity, Brother Jesse. He sold his chance to get right. For you know how the afterward, afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, not what was tangible that he could get a hold of that day, but afterward, somewhere down the road, Brother Tim, when he would have received the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance Though, this is your Bible, listen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 17. He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Once you've gone beyond grace, you can cry all you want to. You'll die and go to hell. But I'll tell you when you better cry when God's near. Tell you when you better beg for mercy when God's near. Tell you when you better beg for forgiveness is when God reveals to you you've got a problem. Because God reveals to you you've got a problem. You deny the revelation God gives you. You'll harden your heart and you won't cry. Then there may come a day when you do, but it will be way yonder too late. 
Uh, you say, Brother Mike, do you believe there's folks right now that are reprobate that could try to get saved? And can't? I believe there's a whole lot more of them than you think they are. I believe there's a bunch more of them than you think they are. I could name you some this morning that everybody in this room knows. Then they will not, Miss Diane, admit they got a problem. And they'll go into church and they'll act like everything's all right. I mean, they'll just go along and pretend and play the game along with everybody else. And they've so hardened themselves to preaching. You could stand up and drain your blood into the offering plate on the communion table. And they'd hum and snip their fingernails and figure their bowling average and balance their checkbook. And say, we should shut up so we could go home. Thank God, ain't it good to be saved? They're reprobate. Nothing bothers them, brother. But I'm going to tell you what, there'll come a day when you'll cry. There'll come a day, but it'll be too late. I'll give you what God gave me this morning. Jacob, have I loved. Esau, have I hated. I'll give you three things God hated about Esau. He wouldn't believe God. You say, I believe God. Oh, I love God. No, if you believe God, you'd act different. If you love God, you'd act different. Folks don't believe God like they say they do. They don't love God like they say they do. I, I hear people this all the time. Oh, I, I just, I love God. You know, they don't love God. They're never willing to admit what they are and what they've been. Miss Diane cannot come to grips, cannot come to terms with the depravity and the wickedness that's in their own heart. And they will not deal with that thing. But oh, I love God. I love God and everybody else. That's how they are. Reprobate. Reprobate. But I'm going to tell you what. There's opportunity this morning. God's calling. God's speaking. God's trying to give help. I don't know if God's going to save you today or not. But I'm just going to ask you. It's an election. God's got to choose you. If God's speaking to your heart. You know what that means? He's romancing your soul. That means God's courting you. That means God's flirting with you. You say, preacher, I feel uncomfortable. That preaching makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel low down. It makes me feel dirty. No, that's when you get around the presence of the Son of God and it begins to smother you with His love and shows you what you feel like because how dirty you are beside of the Son of God. If He loves you that much, He's trying to romance you. He's trying to call you. He's trying to elect you. But he's going to make his decision based on some things. Are you willing to believe him? Are you willing to be broken? Are you willing to bring him great glory when it's all over? There ain't never been a man, woman, boy, or girl that ever got saved didn't bring God glory. And people say, I've been saved 30 years, been saved 10 years, been saved 5 years. They're still cussing, still smoking dope, still drinking Budweiser's. Still running with the devil and the devil's crowd. But oh, I'm saved. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. 